All right. Well, hey, good morning to everybody who's here. Good morning to all the folks who are jumping in online to watch us. If you're online, uh, just a little heads up about today. Uh, later on the service, we're going to be taking communion, celebrating the Lord's Supper. And so if you want to grab some bread and some juice, you'll be prepared if you want to join in with us at home. Uh, but whether you're at home or here, we're so glad you're here. Just a couple of quick housekeeping things before we finish the last text in our season of Ephesians. Uh, yesterday, I did a wedding here at the church, which is awesome. And then as I left, I wandered through a neighborhood and I saw <clears throat> this amazing thing of on this person's lawn, there were like 30 plus middle school, high school students, right? And a bunch of adults leaders raking this person's lawn. It was like a horde of carpenter bees raking like I've never seen raking, not that bees rake, that was a really bad analogy. There were a lot of people raking a lot of leaves, and the cool thing was that wasn't just some random group, that was students and leaders from Calvary Church, and yesterday we had just a great time as a church through our student ministry uh, trying to serve our community and love our community, which is a big value here. So thanks to all the kids who came out and raked. I uh, hope you don't have too many blisters. Thanks for all the adults. I'm sure you have blisters, but no matter who you were, what you did, we're glad we could serve our community. Another opportunity next Sunday through our Thanksgiving service <clears throat> to serve our town and the people around us in our neighborhoods and surrounding towns who may have some needs. We we want to be a church who really serves well. We're so blessed by God. No matter what's going on, God has been good to us together as a church, and God has been good to us in our lives. And out of His goodness, we want to show His love to other people. And we kind of, big way we do that is through the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we have opportunities to collect a lot of things and then give away a lot of things to people with needs to help them see God's love. And so next Sunday, the service is going to be a little different, what we do. We're still going to gather together. There won't be an online presence, and so if you check us out online, it'll be a chance for you to go back and watch online a service that you missed if you choose not to participate. But we'd love you to participate because next Sunday's different because we want to make it as easy for anyone and everyone to get involved. Whether you're at home and you don't feel comfortable coming into the space, we've created a way for you, and whether you come regularly every Sunday. Here's what we're going to do. Next week's going to be a drive-through at 10 o'clock, starting from 10 to 11, we're going to have a drive-through kind of drop-off collection of different goods. You can leave on your way out and grab a ticket or a bag of something you want to bring back. There's ways for you to do that online. And then next Sunday, we're going to collect those things. There'll be a chance for you to stay in your car, socially distanced, safe, right? Keep your own germs in your own car, drive-through, drop-off goods from 10 to 11. If you then want to stick around and connect with people walking around the parking lot or some community groups get together in a safe, socially distanced way. You can then hang out in the parking lot. You can bring your own coffee, bring your own donuts, connect with friends who just wait. 10 to 11 is drive-through drop-off. At 11, we're again going to have a, a modified type of worship gathering. We're going to sing a few worship songs. We're going to have a shorter talk about just a Thanksgiving focus, and then we're going to end that time with a prayer over all the things um, that God has allowed us to to bring that can be used for other people. Then starting at about 11.15ish, 11.20ish, we're going to have time for you to actually serve. You can serve by helping put a bunch of little red shoe boxes in big brown boxes and collecting from the different churches who are bringing that. You can serve by compiling food baskets. You can serve by helping deliver food baskets. And we're going to have a time as a church to just serve together afterwards. So 10 to 11, drop off of the items that you're <clears throat> bringing back whether that's OCC or one of the gift tags, you bring back a turkey, gift card, grocery basket. 
It's time if you want to just hang out in your parking lot that you can meet with your friends. And then 11 o'clock, we're going to have a short kind of devotionally type service, which will be nice as a church family gathered together prayer. And then after that, times for us as a church to serve and do things. And so two things to do this week as we prepare for that, if you want to be part of that. We would love for you to pick up an item, and whatever you grab as a hard copy, bring back. There's also a digital way for you to do that online, and we've sent you lots of forms and sign-ups. And we're also going to need some folks to help us uh, get ready for this thing and then serve on the day, being the little drive-through workers to collect all the goods. And so if you want to be part of our team that's helping orchestrate the logistics of that service, whether it's set up during the service or, or afterwards, there's ways for you to sign up forms to do that. So uh, we're really looking forward to that and just wanted to give you the heads up because it is going to be a different way that we're going to be gathering next week. But we're still gathering and just kind of improvising again to engage as many folks as possible in the opportunity to together as a church serve God. So <clears throat> that's next week. This week we're finishing up in our Ephesians series uh, in just a minute. And then after Ephesians, well, just, we're going to do a Christmas series. And then next year what we're starting is something a little different. But I'm excited about every book of the Bible I've ever preached. And I'm excited about what we're doing next year because we're not going to just do one book of the Bible. If you kind of, the scholars, whoever they are about church world and Christians, have, have kind of had a lot of studies come out that say that for the rising generations and emerging generations, uh, they just haven't had the opportunity to learn a whole lot about the story of the Bible and about the Bible. And so we want to be a church that knows God's Word in its totality. And so starting in January, what we're going to do is, man, we're just going to kind of walk through the Old Testament up to Jesus. Okay, we're going to give the survey with the big characters. Who's this Abraham dude? What's David? What does that have to do with the Ten Commandments? What about creation? We're going to start with in the beginning, <clears throat> and we're going to move to Jesus to the Old Testament. I, I'm very excited about it. I think it'll be helpful, and it's always fascinating when you dig through stories that you've never dug through. Man, just the, the relevance, the application. So that's what's coming up, but today what's coming up is we finish up Ephesians, and we don't have any slides today, and that's okay. So what we have is we're going to have some old-school sermon illustrations, really, really high-tech. Wait till you see what I use, because I couldn't do a timeline, and <clears throat> we're not going to have verses on the screen. So if you got your Bible, get ready. Or if you got your iPhone or device, get ready because we're going to have the opportunity to look at a bunch of different places in God's Word, and, and I look forward to that. So let me pray, and we'll press into it. Father, um, thank you for what you have for us. You're sovereign. You're in charge. You're good. Your Word doesn't return void, and so I just pray that no matter what's going on in our lives, as individuals and as a church, that you will take your word today and uh, you will meet us where we are with the power of it. That for some, it will be encouragement to trust you in what you're calling us to do. Uh, for others, it'll be an encouragement just to trust you to continue to faithfully press on where you have us. And in all of it, we want Jesus to be honored and glorified. That's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. <clears throat> all right, well, I want you for a minute um, just to kind of just kind of exhale for a minute, and I'd love for you to first, we're going to think about some different points in time, and the first point of time I want you to think about is right now, right now, today, November 15th at 1049 in the morning, uh, wh what's life like for you? If you're a student, what school are you in? Or maybe you're a college student, or go, what college are you in or you're going to? Who are your friends? today. Today, on November 15th, think a little bit about your family situation. Are you married? 
Are you single? Do you have kids? Are you an empty nester? What about your career? What's kind of going on in your career? What, what are you doing for a job if you have a job? Or are you a parent who <clears throat> you've left a job to stay home and help raise some kids? Are you just beginning a job? Are you winding down a job? Are you entering a season of retirement? What is going on in your life in this moment in the time that you find yourself right now? What are the high points of your story? I want you to think about that, and then I want you to kind of rewind the clock about 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, when you looked ahead to the future, when you looked ahead and you thought about what life would be like one day, did you ever envision 10 years ago when you thought about today, did you imagine it would look like what it looks like now? 10 years ago, when you thought, what is my family going to look like down the road, does it look like what you thought it might look like now? Did you picture in the past what you're currently facing today? Did you ever think 10 years ago you'd be in the school you're in today or the job you're in today? Does your family situation look like what you thought it would look like 10 years ago? Did you ever think that you would be in Connecticut, right? 10 years ago for me, if somebody told me, hey, one day you're going to be here on this stage in Connecticut, I'd be like, bro, I think you got you a head injury somewhere. We need to check this out, right? Did you ever imagine 10 years ago you'd be standing where you're standing today? Did you think in the past as you thought about now that you'd be enjoying the successes you're enjoying today? Did you think that you might be facing or ever envision facing the challenges you're facing today? What's going on today? Did you ever think 10 years ago that that's what your life would look like now? And probably for most of you, there's a lot of things that look different than you might have expected. Because we know that life takes a lot of different twists and turns. And today, as we finish Ephesians, we're going to kind of press into that a little bit. This idea of life taking different twists and turns and how do we navigate it and what can we expect. We're going to see that from the last few verses of Ephesians. So we're going to finish up, if you have your Bible, our end of Ephesians is going to be Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through the end. So Ephesians 6, our last kind of paragraph and text we're walking through, verses 21 through 23, says this. So that also you may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Kind of the the two verses we're going to draw out of that and spend our time in today are verses 21 and 22 that, that he said, we've read it, so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus. The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. We're, we're going to spend our time thinking about this dude, Tychicus, before. Anybody here <clears throat> and ever heard of this? Some people pronounce it Tychicus. I don't care. I like Tychicus. Anybody here ever heard of this dude, Tychicus, before? Good. Then you're going to learn something new today. This will be a good day. Man, in order to understand what God can teach us through this guy, Tychicus, through this one name named at this last conclusion of a letter, we need to understand a little more about this guy's life. What was this guy's life, Tychicus, and when we know more about him, we'll understand a little more about how that relates to our life. The f- 
We, we see Tychicus four or five different times in the Bible, in the, the New Testament. The first time we see him is Acts chapter 20. So Acts chapter 20, I'm kind of going to read it and I'm going to kind of put it into context. This is where we read about it, starting in verse 3. I'll start about verse 3. <clears throat> there he spent, he being Paul, there he spent three months. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopitar the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us. When it says Asians, it doesn't mean that the, the people group we use today for the phrase Asians. This refers to people who would be from modern-day Turkey, okay? And one of the people from modern-day Turkey is this guy named Tychicus. We see him mentioned in Acts for the first time. And here is, look at, man, look at that high-tech sermon prop right here. This is kind of the first season of Tychicus's life. And in this moment, here's what's going on. Paul, has, there's some Christians in Jerusalem who are poor, who are facing financial struggles. And Paul has kind of gone around to different churches and tried to raise money and said, hey, church, there's an opportunity to help these poor people out in Jerusalem. So different local churches will you contribute. He's making a circuit, getting funds for that. He's been in one town for a while, and, man, he catches wind that there's this plot that's going to try to kill him. And so he's going to head out of town. He's going to keep going to Jerusalem with his money. But as he does that, he gathers this team of people together to just accompany him on his journey. And one of the people who are going to accompany him on that journey is this guy, Tychicus. Tychicus probably became a Christian and from one of the churches that Paul planted. He was a representative probably of one of the churches that gave money. And so from the churches that gave money, Paul is getting this group of people to come with him for purposes of accountability. And the first time we see Tychicus, he's kind of a team member on this fundraising tour to try to help people who have financial needs. He's not preaching. He's not pastoring. He's not pouring into people's lives. He's just a player on the team <clears throat> behind the scenes. And then we see Tychicus has another opportunity. And it's the opportunity that's mentioned here in Ephesians. And in what Tychicus does, it's in both in Colossians and Ephesians, Tychicus, he's done this well. And a few years later, what Paul says to Tychicus is, okay, Tychicus, I'm now going to, you come to me. I want you to pick up some letters that I've written to different churches and cities. And then I want you to deliver those letters, right? We see that in Colossians where Paul writes this about Tychicus, verse 7 of chapter 4. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. And then here in Colossians, we read the same thing. So that you may also, I mean in Ephesians, so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this purpose. And kind of the second role, the second ministry thing that Tychicus does is he's faithfully been kind of the, the accompaniment on a tour. And now what Paul's doing is, okay, Tychicus, I'm going to give you some more responsibilities. You come to prison where I am. You pick up this letter. You walk hundreds of miles or you boat hundreds of miles or you ride some camels or horses and you go to the city of Colossae and then you go to the city of Ephesus and you walk into the churches and you deliver these letters to them. And interestingly, when a letter would be delivered to one of those churches, uh, it would be read to the church. 
So if we got a letter from Paul at the church of Calvaryonians or something, right? Somebody would come in here and they'd say, hey, everybody, I got Paul's letter. Let me read the letter to you. And Tychicus was most likely the person who, when he walked into the church of Ephesus with the letter, would have said, hey, y'all, I got a letter. He probably would have said y'all. He would have said, hey, you guys, I got a letter from Paul. Let me read it to you. The second phase of Tychicus's opportunity and chapter and ministering in life was to be this mailman, but there was more than just being a mailman. Because look what Paul says about this. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know who we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. See, part of what Tychicus was doing in this moment was not just delivering the mail, but he was coming to try to figure out what's, what's discouraging to the people. How can he pour into their lives? How can he encourage them and lead them and shepherd them and help nurture them and give them hope? There's another layer of responsibility an opportunity. And then a few years after that, there's this third season, this third potential kind of opportunity that Tychicus has. And we read about that in Titus 3.12. So if you got your device or Bible, flip to that. I'll read it and then I'll put it into context. Here's the next time we hear about Tychicus, Titus 3, chapter 12. This is a letter, the letter of Titus to Titus that Paul wrote to a guy named Titus. And he writes this, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Paul is writing to Titus saying, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. So we got to understand Titus. Titus was this pastor who was sent to the island of Crete. Blue water, lots of seafood, white sandy beaches. The churches in Crete were in chaos. And so Titus kind of had this overseeing role of these different churches of an interim pastor, an interim big picture pastor to bring health, to bring unity, to get things back on track. And Titus has served for several years there on Crete. And what Paul says at the end of the letter to Titus, okay, bro, Titus, you've done a really, really good job serving there on the island of Crete, but you know what? I've got something else I want you to do, and I'm going to replace you. And two of the potential replacements for Titus was either a dude named Artemis or Tychicus. Tychicus, the guy who started off just being a guy on the back scenes of a journey, is now being considered for this pretty significant leadership role over different churches and different pastors. We don't know if Tychicus ever got that job. He was one of final two candidates, and we don't know how the final interview went, right? But we do know about a job that Tychicus does get. And it's the final time we see him mentioned, the final kind of chapter in his life. And we read about that in 2 Timothy, verses 4, 9 through 12. And here's the final time we see Tychicus mentioned in the Bible. In 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, Paul's writing to a pastor named Timothy. And he writes this. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to the ministry. And then verse 12, Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. So here's what's going on. Tychicus back here 
delivered this letter to the church at Ephesus, right? Probably read it, helped encourage them. A few years after this church at Ephesus got the letter from Tychicus, they got a new pastor. They got a pastor by the name of Timothy. And Timothy has been pastoring at this church of Ephesus. And what Paul's saying now is, Timothy, man, you've been pastoring there well. But I, Paul, am in the final chapter of my life. And Timothy, I want you to leave your role as pastor at Ephesus and you come to be with me, but I'm sending Tychicus to you and Tychicus is going to take over as pastor of the church at Ephesus. He's going to be in charge. He's going to be the opportunity to shepherd and to lead. This opportunity, kind of fourth chapter in Tychicus's life of ministry, we're about a decade after this. About a decade after here, Antichicus is a guy who started off just in the background, being on a trip with Paul, who gets more responsibility because he was faithful there. And now he's delivering letters and he's investing in people's lives and he's encouraging them. And now because he was faithful in those things, he's then considered to oversee a bunch of churches. And 10 years after that moment, Tychicus ends up here, pastoring a church at Ephesus, and what we see is this, that now Tychicus here is in a new role, a new season, a new moment that's different than this, and this was different than this, and this was different than this, and each different chapter had different opportunities, different challenges, different places, different people. And each chapter of Tychicus' life, he used different gifts that God had developed in him. You don't necessarily need four music stands on a stage <clears throat> or a verse of the Bible to kind of tell you what you already know. But what these do tell you and what you already know and what this verse shows and Tychicus' life shows is this. The ministry has different seasons. But it's not just ministry because life has different seasons. Tychicus' ministry had at least four different seasons, and Tychicus' life had different seasons along with that. There are different moments for different people, and there's different people for different moments. So, so what does any of that have to do with us? Well, what it has to do with us is, you know what? Every single one of us in the room today is in some season of ministry or some season of life. Every single one of us in the room today is in some chapter of our lives with something going on. And that probably breaks down into two different groups of people. There, there's probably some of us in the room this morning or who are watching online who are in a season of life or a season of ministry and God hasn't released us from it. We're, we're in a moment <clears throat> and God hasn't told us that's time to go to a next moment and, and we're here, right? Maybe we're in a season in our job or in parenting or in a ministry role or on a team or in a friendship or a relationship we're in a season and we're not being released to the next season. And that's where some of us are. And for some of us, man, maybe that's an okay thing. Because for some of you, you're in a season and God hasn't released you from it. And you know what? That's okay because the season in which you find yourself, you love 
Like, it's good. Like, your job, bang, great. Your family, just what you thought it would be. Your financial situation, your health, your relationship. Man, it's just a good season, and you're glad God's not calling you out of it. If that's where you are this morning, then, man, enjoy the season in which God has you. Be grateful for it. But I'd, I'd encourage you just not to cling too tightly to it. Enjoy the season that God has you if you're grateful for it, but enjoy it with open hands. Enjoy it with open hands. Because you never know when God may call you to another season of life or another season of ministry, and and don't cling too tightly, but enjoy it. For others of you, you're you're in a season that God hasn't released you from, and, and while some of us are happy about that, man, for you, you're not happy about that. Because this season, it's hard. It's hard. And you wish with everything in you, can I just get out? You wish with everything in you, I want to go back there or I want to get there. But I don't want to stay here. For whatever reason, in His sovereignty, God has you here. And He hasn't released you. So your challenge, your opportunity, our challenge, our opportunity is to continue to trust, continue to obey. Because that is where God has you and he hasn't released you from it. And God does know what is ultimately best for every single one of us. Some of us are in a season of life and God hasn't released us from it. But then there's another group of us. And the other group of us, you know what? We, we are being called to a new season. We're like Tychicus. We had this season, then called to that season, then called to this season. And maybe some of you today, man, you're being called to a new season. You're being released from this to be led to this. A new job, a new city, a new opportunity, a new family dynamic, something new, something different, something other, something not this, but something that. And maybe... For some of you, you're, you're going kicking and screaming because you're like, no, I want to stay here. And as much as some people in the room want to get out of the season in which they have us in, others of you in the room, you're being released from a season, but you, you're clinging to this because you want to remain here. But God is saying, go there. My family and I, right, and it's hard. My family and I, we, we have a lot of seasons in our lives. And we've had a lot of times that God has released us from one season and, and led us to another. And I hate that sometimes. <clears throat> I hate goodbyes. I'm just telling you something. If I wasn't married to my wife, I would never say goodbye to anybody. I wouldn't. I would literally get in my car and drive away. And people would be like, Where's Peter? Like, he was here last week preaching, and some of you be like, oh, yeah, he's gone. He took it up. I hate goodbyes. But my wife informs me it's rude to just get in your car and drive away at 2 o'clock in the morning. So I say goodbye. Maybe some of you, you're clinging to this season because you don't want to say goodbye because <clears throat> there's a change. I remember when we left the season of ministry in Savannah in order to come to Connecticut. Um, man, it was brutal because we loved that. And the guy that I pastored with, um, he went to the Citadel. 
And he was like, he's like a man, right? Man, I remember that we were staying at an elder's garage apartment. The U-Haul truck was there. We were about to drive away in a few hours. It was earlier in our last morning there. We were getting in the car in just a few hours to drive away and not come back. And so the guy I pastored with came over, this guy who wouldn't want to even drive with me alone in my Subaru Outback because it's not manly enough. Man, I remember embracing in the driveway of this elder's house, and we just sobbed. We just sobbed. Now, he'll deny it, but it's true. Because sometimes we like a season, and we don't necessarily want to leave a season. Maybe for some of you, the reason that it's hard for you to leave a season to go to what God's calling you next isn't necessarily because you're sad to say goodbye, but maybe you're just scared. There's a lot of fear about the unknowns. When God says, hey, I'm moving you out of this into that. My family and I, we, before, we used to love to watch America's Got Talent. I don't know if you guys watch America's Got Talent. Then Simon Cowell hurt his back on some overpriced motor scooter. So we don't, it's not really as exciting anymore. But every season on America's Got Talent, there'd be some sort of circus act. There'd be a few different things, right? And there's always guaranteed to be a trapeze artist. Have you ever, have you ever seen, a, maybe not America's Got Talent, but you know what a trapeze artist is, right? You know, and, and I realized this in the first service. If we were a mega church, I would have a trapeze set up right here. I would now hop off the stage under a trapeze and I would swing over you. But we don't. But we got music stands. So here's what <clears throat> the trapeze. You've seen it, right? I, I think it's a great illustration. You're, you're swinging on this thing high above the ground. And there's this other trapeze that's swinging to you, right? It's swinging. You're swinging. And you know what? In order to get from here to there, you know what you got to do? What do you have to do? You got to let go. You got to let go. You're swinging. There's something ahead of you, and the only way to get there is to let go of this. And then you know what happens? There's just this moment of space, and you haven't yet landed on what you're going to. And in this moment of space, there can be some fear, because you're just out there. And you're wondering, am I going to land? Am I going to get it? Or or am I going to plummet? And sometimes that fear of hanging out there is what keeps people from letting go. Because I can just hold on to this. Like, I can hold on to this. But if I let go... I feel like I've lost control, and what if it doesn't quite work out, and what if I plummet to the ground in a horrible America's Got Talent death? Maybe for some of you, what God's been telling you for months is, hey, I got this for you over here. I got a new season. I got a new chapter. New opportunity. To get here, you got to let go of this. And maybe the only reason you're here today or the only reason you're watching online or clicked online at a later point on Sunday is because God has been telling you for weeks and weeks and months and months, let go, let go. And he's using a ridiculous illustration about a trapeze to drill into your brain again. Let go.
This isn't where I have you anymore. That's what I got for you. And you know what the great thing is about God? <clears throat> we, we sometimes, these trapeze artists, there's people dangling and they hold out their arms, right? The other person's like, ah, and they catch them. And that's always the nerve-wracking thing, right? Here's the great thing about God. He's not going to let you slip. He's not. If he's called you to it, he's there on the other side waiting to grab you. And if God's called you to it, he's going to see you through it. Let go. Let go. No matter what season you find yourself in, no matter the chapters of your life and where you are today, whether you want to stay there or get out of there, or whether he's calling you to get out of there and you're on your way to go or you don't want to go, the question is, how do we live? How do we live in this moment, in this season, in this chapter? Well, you know what we do? We do what Tychicus did. And we see what Tychicus did in the different seasons because both in Ephesians and Colossians, Paul uses these words to describe him. Verse 21 of chapter 6 again says this. So you know what I'm doing, how I am, what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything I have sent him to you. I love that word faithful minister. In each season of his life, Tychicus was faithful to do what it was that God put before him to do, to walk the path God put before him and to walk it in a way that honored God. He was faithful in every season and every season led to another season of different impact and more impact and different challenges and different opportunities. And so the takeaway for you and I today, no matter what season you find yourself in, be faithful. Be faithful in the season in which you are. And let's be honest about something. And sometimes that can be really hard. Right? Because every season isn't Thanksgiving dinner and stuffing and graving and pumpkin pie. There's some seasons that are draining and that are hard and that are wearisome. You know, I, there's a few verses for times in your life when you're in a season and the challenge is to be faithful and you're, you, you're lacking the strength. I just want to kind of tell you two different verses from Scripture that I go to a lot. One place is out of Colossians, and I, I go to this frequently because I've done a bunch of different gigs in my life and had some different careers, each of which were very stressful in their unique ways. But there's something uniquely stressful about being a pastor. And when I talk to other pastors or think about my own story, there's moments when it's like, man, this is hard. And, and I think in those moments about another pastor, Paul, and he wrote this about the season in which he found himself in and his desire to be faithful. This is a great verse to remember to keep strength in hard moments. Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 through 29. This is what Paul writes. First verse, 28. Him we proclaim. So this is Paul saying, okay, here's my goal of life. Here's my goal of ministry. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Paul's saying, hey, that's what I want to do, right? That's my charge. But then look at the very next words he says. 29, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy, right? Those two words are not words of an easy path. Paul's saying, hey, God's called me to this. I'm in this chapter where I'm church planting or I'm preaching, 
But Paul says, man, I am, I'm toiling in that. Toiling means it's hard. He says, I am struggling in that toil. And isn't it great to know that a guy who wrote a vast majority of the New Testament found himself in a chapter in life and he's trying to be faithful and he's like, man, this is hard. And I'm going to be honest about it and I'm toiling. And Paul's saying, I'm struggling. But the encouraging thing in this is Paul gives a great example of this concept of being faithful in the seasons in which we find ourselves. But then look what he says. I am struggling, but I'm doing it with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Here's the takeaway from this verse. There's going to be chapters when it is hard and when it is toil. And when you are struggling to be faithful and to see what God is doing, but in those chapters, man, you work and you take another step, but you don't take a step on your own energy or your own strength or your own power. You take the next faithful step knowing that it is God who gives you the power to do so. It is God who works in you. It is God who gives you the strength to do the things to survive the moment which he is calling you to do. Then there's a second kind of verse that provides some encouragement, at least to me sometimes in my life. It's out of Nehemiah. And this idea of being faithful in the chapter in which you find yourselves. And it comes from <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter 6. Here's the deal with the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a dude in the Old Testament who God said, Nehemiah, here's the chapter I got for you, right? I'm going to take you out of your cushy job. You're like hanging out in a big wig in the king's thing. Bro, I'm going to take you and I want you to do a building project for me. I want you to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem around the temple. And I want you to do that so that my people can worship. But when the walls are crumbled, Nehemiah, it's not safe. Your season, your chapter, Nehemiah, is rebuild the walls. And so Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah faithfully does that. He slings a hammer. He oversees the whole project. And along the way in that chapter, man, he got beat up. He got beat up. He had enemies from other countries that were trying to stop the work and discourage them. He had people he trusted and friends that he worked with who started to work against him. And he's being faithful in this moment. And there's this great passage, this great story where some of the enemies are coming again to try to distract him from being faithful in the chapter in which he finds himself. And these dudes come in Nehemiah chapter 6. I'll just read verse 3. Uh, well, verse 2, Sanballat and Geshem, this is Nehemiah, those are two bad guys, sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Hakarapharim, whatever, in the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. He's being faithful in the chapter, and he's like, these dudes are trying to distract me, there's discouragement, there's division, there's disunity, there's enemies, and then I love what Nehemiah says to these guys, but they intended to do me harm, verse 3 of chapter 6, and I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Boom! That's like a Nehemiah mic drop. In a chapter of his life where he's trying to be faithful, where it's hard because it seems like he's in it alone. When these guys are trying to get him and his friends aren't there and it's all crazy, and he says to himself in this moment, hey, you know what, though? This is the chapter that God's called me to. And I'm doing a great work for the Lord. And he says, I'm not going to come down until God releases me from this. Moms and dads, 
who are in chapters of raising your kids with 10 months of quarantine. And if you thought the walls were closing in back in like July, they're like, and you still have these young lives that God has entrusted you to steward. And that's the chapter he's got you in. And you're tired and you're worn out. And what you can remind yourself is this truth. I'm doing a great work and I won't come down people in business and it's tough and the sales aren't what you thought and you're trying to act with integrity and with ethics and you feel like the only way is to cut corners but you want to be true and principles and biblical i'm doing a great work and i can't come down those of you who are pouring into people's lives whatever it is that god has called you to in this moment and you're trying to be faithful and all around you it feels like it's falling apart sometimes what you just need to say is you know what This is the place that God's called me to. And through his power and with his power, I am doing a great work. And until he releases me from this, I'm going to be faithful. And I ain't going to come down. Life has different seasons. Ministry has different seasons. No matter what season that you find yourself in this morning, the challenge to every single one of us in this room is keep walking. Keep walking. Persevere. Be faithful. But be faithful not based on your own effort or your own strength or your own power or your own wisdom. Be faithful based, like Paul says, upon the mighty power that is work within you from God. Be faithful. And if God is calling you to a new season, let go. Let go. And know that he's waiting in this new opportunity to catch you. We have the great opportunity to think about Jesus and his story today. And I'll invite the worship team up here as we move towards communion. And Jesus was a person who persevered through an incredibly tough season. Jesus' life was not easy. And Jesus entered this chapter of his life where he was betrayed, lied about, people that he trusted who were closest to him sold him out. He was tortured. He was eventually murdered. And you know what? He was faithful in that season. He didn't get out of it. He didn't stop. He didn't persevere. He went through it all. And do you know why he persevered through all those unfair things that happened? See, sometimes in life, when when things happen to me that I don't think are fair, people mistreat me, man, it, it encourages me to know that Jesus knows exactly what I'm going through. Because he's been there and he's been through stuff that I will likely never, ever, ever have to experience. Do you know why he persevered? Do you know why he allowed himself to be lied about? He allowed himself to be betrayed. He allowed himself to be thrown under the bus, to be tortured, and to be murdered. Do you know why he allowed himself to do that? For two reasons. One was for the glory of God and the second was for you and for me. He allowed and he went through that and he persevered and he was faithful because he loved you so much. He wanted to make sure you got 
would most deeply satisfy you? And what will most deeply satisfy every single one of us in this room is being restored to a relationship with God and having the hope one day of seeing God. And the reality is without Jesus, we're separated from God and and we're we're not going to experience the best of life with God. We're going to experience the worst of life after our life without God. And Jesus loved you so much And when everybody was walking away from him, everybody was lying about him, everybody was spitting at him, everybody was torturing with him, he said, I'm going to persevere for you. Now, we got to put that in context, because if we don't have the context, it just seems a little weird, like some dude allowed himself to be martyred for what? Because he was divine, he was fully God, and the reality is that we all have sin that separates us from God, and if that's not taken care of, it will continue to separate us from God. And so Jesus came as a substitute. If you want to remember what Christianity is about, you remember substitute and you remember faith. Jesus came to be punished for everything that we deserve to be punished for so that you will never have to worry about being punished for it. And Jesus came so that you could have forgiveness and you could have hope instead of having separation from God. That's what Jesus did for you and me. And Jesus knew that seasons of life would get hard and would get challenging. And we would need something to bring us back to hope. And so what Jesus did is he started this thing to give us hope. And he started it not with a little pre-wrapped cellophane communion cup. He started it on the last night of his faithful perseverance before his arrest with his friends. With some bread and with some wine. Which now we remember today and we do this today and sometimes in a world that doesn't make sense. And we ask ourselves, is there anything in which we can fall upon? Like Luke said, when everything else is sinking sand, what won't sink beneath us? And we hold some bread and we hold some juice and we say, this will never fail us. And I need to remember that. And you need to remember that. And so Jesus gives us a way to remember that. And when the pastor who wrote the letter to the church of Ephesus, look back at what Jesus did. He writes these words, and he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And for those of us who believe in Jesus, for those of us who are not trying to earn our way to God because we know that salvation is a gift received by faith to responding to God's grace, this is a chance for us to remember Jesus. And remember, you have hope. And your story isn't over. And the best days are ahead of all of us. Because one day, someday, you're going to see Jesus and you're not going to be living by faith anymore. You're not going to be living by hope. You will be living by sight. And man, I can't wait for that day. And until that day, we need to remember. We need to tell each other this is what we believe. And together we need to remind each other and we have hope. And our hope is based on Jesus, and so I invite you with me to take the cracker, which represents his body. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And my favorite line out of that song, It Is Well, that we sang, is the line in the verse that talks about when the Lord shall descend. Man, that's good stuff. And until he descends, we're going to do what he told us to do. We're going to, on another ordinary Sunday, we're going to drink an ordinary cup of juice that hopefully through his power will help you cling to the extraordinary hope that you have that one day you will see Jesus and all will be well. And until that day, looking to that day, drink the cup with me.